You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd on Dubai Eye 103.8. Hi, guys. Welcome into this podcast. Now, what have we got for you? A lot of movies. We've got some Bollywood in there as well. And talking of the movies, William Mullally had the latest on The Many Saints of Newark. We also headed out to Bollywood with Sneer May Francis. And 12 Angry Jurors is a production that's going to be happening up in Abu Dhabi this weekend. And we were lucky enough to catch up with the director, Porav Shah. And finally, the icing on the cake was Mr Brunch, who pointed us in the right direction for some great food this weekend. Uh, several brunches happening around town, including one at the very famous restaurant Hell's Kitchen of Gordon Ramsay. Enjoy, and uh, don't forget to join me live on the show weekdays from 11 o'clock, only on Dubai Eye 103.8. This is Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. Yeah, welcome back. It's our favourite show of the week. Thursday, looking ahead to the weekend. And I always enjoy my conversations with film critic William Mullally each and uh, every Thursday, but it's going to be even more enjoyable today as um, a film that I've been waiting for is going to be opening up across um, the city. And if you were a fan of The Sopranos TV show, then you need to listen up. Uh, Good morning, William. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you? Excellent. Now, when I first uh, kind of saw the the trailer for this, and I was looking through who was actually in this movie, I saw the name Gandolfini, and I thought, well, you know, um, uh, James Gandolfini sadly passed away a few years ago, but and I, I had no idea that uh, Mr. Gandolfini's son had followed him into the world of acting. Yeah, that's the thing. So, Michael Gandolfini, who's I think about nineteen years old now has slowly been dipping his toes into acting for years. You know, obviously when he was, you know, on the set of The Sopranos all those years ago, he was basically a toddler. Because, you know, that show debuted in 1999 on HBO and quickly became, you know, the most acclaimed and beloved television series ever made. Um, And large in part due to what James brought to it. But, you know, Michael was just really a glimmer in his eye um, when that show was being developed. And then he became just someone who was just a little kid on set. So The Sopranos wasn't a part of Michael Gandolfini's life. But, you know, slowly, you know, after his father passed, he started, he was on the deuce in a minor role. He started dipping his feet into acting. And then David Chase, the creator of The Sopranos, had the idea of diving back into the world of The Sopranos, but not in a direct sequel, but in looking at the world that was, you know, the the prime of the, of, the, of the mob, the people who Tony would always talk about, you know, the people that raised Tony, specifically Dickie Molisanti, the uh, father of Chrissy, who's, you know, his you know, nephew, who's, you know, a bit bumbling, who never really can get anything right. And in looking at that character, obviously Tony himself became an important part of that because you know, he, was a, he was a kid at the time. This was the guy that he was, um, you know, inspired by to join the mob and to get into this world of decline that we follow for um, seven seasons on The Sopranos. But really, I think um, in doing that, it had to be Michael. I don't think anyone could have really pulled this off. And I don't think this movie really works, even if he's not the central character, without Michael Gandolfini. I, I think as the heart and soul of this series was always James, I think Michael is the heart and soul of this movie. And so it's really exciting to be able to see him jump back into the world of the Sopranos and, um, you know, be able to take on his father's role and to see this world again, you know, just as a fan of the series. Yeah. Um, let's have a listen in on the trailer. Um, this is the many saints of Newark. What do you want, Richard? I'll be honest with you. I want money. I want to do a good deed. 
to do a lot more. The best things in life are free. I try to set an example for my nephew. Give them to the birds and bees. Anthony got kicked out of school. I went through all that trouble. And for what? I'm always being accused. You gotta be good. I want to do whatever I can to help the family. Money don't get everything, it's true. What it don't get, I can't use. I want money. Wonder what they talk about in there. So there's a clip then uh, from uh, the trailer, The Many Saints of Newark. Now, uh, you've been talking to several members of the cast. Um, William, who did you manage to catch up with? Well, Michael Gandolfini himself. Obviously, I think is an emotional conversation to have, you know, just as a fan. But really, I, I think he's so excited to begin his acting journey. And, you know, obviously, you know, taking on that mantle is not something you imagine doing at 19 years old when you're first dipping in your feet. It's like, okay, take on the most iconic role, filling the shoes of one of the greatest actors we've ever had. Yeah. Who, by the way, <laughs> his father who passed away. <laughs> like, the pressure that was on this kid <laughs> is insane, if you think about it that way. But I think he... You know, in our conversation, I asked him, you know, what was the moment that you really knew that you could do this? And it was a moment when they were auditioning. You know, he, he had never watched the show, so he, he got into the show late. He, he watched everything, and finally he felt like he really understood this in that moment and was able to channel his father's performance and, and get at who Tony Soprano really was. David had the scene that was in the movie, and then they, he took it out, and then he put it back in, and he was like, I just want... To hear it, can you just read it out loud? And I'd never seen it before. Um, And I remember looking at it for the first time ever and just being like, oh, I know exactly what to do. I know exactly how to deliver these lines. I know exactly how Tony's feeling about them. I, I just know how to do this. And that was when it clicked. If I could get pages and just naturally know what to do, then I can I can do this. Um, that was the moment that I really had the the sort of faith that it, it would be okay. I mean, if you don't mind me asking, was it was getting into knowing that you could do this really about knowing your dad or knowing the character? Hmm. Uh, it was mostly about knowing the character. You know, like my dad was so different in so many ways to Tony. Um, there was the emotional aspect, obviously, of watching the show for the first time and seeing so much of my dad. But part part of the emotional aspect was that he was so close, but so far. You know, like it, it is my dad, but it's not. Um, so getting to know the character was kind of the root of it. Um, knowing, you know, the accent sounded nothing like my dad. So learning the accent and... His the way he moves his hands and slouches and breathes and broods, you know, like all those things were the things I really had to cultivate. Michael Gandolfini, then the son of uh, of James, many saints of of Newark, and uh, as you said, uh, William, probably the only guy that could play this role. Yeah, really. I, I like this movie lives and dies on him, even if he isn't the central role, but I think he does a stellar job, and I'm really hoping that he's able to continue that down the road. Now, you also spoke to um, the film's lead character, um, uh, who plays uh, Dickie uh, Molisanti, the father of of Chrissy. Um, This is the actor Alessandro Nivola? Yeah, that's the thing. So many saints of Newark, if you look at Italian, 
Moltisanti, many saints. So clearly it's the Moltisanti family <laughs> who are really central here. But Tony idolized this guy. We hear him talk about who he was. You know, he was a saint in Tony's eyes. He was just this perfect person. And we see this very refined, he's not the, the sort of, you know, mafia character we see in The Sopranos. He's that, you know, perfectly trimmed suit, perfectly coiffed hair, gentleman type of mafia yeah, guy. Yeah. But there's a darkness to him. And I, I think Alessandro Nivola, who takes on that role, really had to explore that darkness. And I think it's a, it's a tragic character in a way that you know, Tony isn't, but it's you know, tragic in a way that this world, I think, poisons people and poisons their souls in a way. A growing awareness that he's the architect of his own destruction. Um, I think that he is... Uh, yeah, I think if... you know, I kind of think if he were not born into an abusive family and if he hadn't been beaten up by his dad and hadn't watched his mother be beaten by his dad that you know he he might have um not been in a not been a violent person at all or or not lived a life of crime and but david really has these ideas of your fate being your childhood and it being something that's inescapable and that uh you know, in a kind of Greek, like Oedipal way or whatever you try and, and out, outwit your, your, your fate. And, and it keeps just dragging you back down. And, and there really is that feeling with Dickie that no matter how many kind of echoing voices there are in his head that are sort of fantasizing about doing something, you know, noble or, or selfless that, uh, he, he, he's just undone by not being able to control this, this rage. So that's the the movies that lead at character. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd on Dubai I 103.8. Yeah, welcome back to the show Lunch with Lloyd. On a Thursday, we always talk movies, of course, with uh, William Mullally, our movie critic. And, uh, well, the big one um, this week, uh, Many Saints of Newark actually uh, uh, sees the son of James Gandolfini, that's Michael Gandolfini, uh, taking a part in the film. Now, this, uh, of course, has been uh, created once again by David Chase, who was the creator of The Sopranos. William, you managed to catch up with David Chase to talk about this particular uh, movie. What did, he, what did he have to say? So that's the thing. So the thing about the world of The Sopranos, you know, obviously... We're looking at, you know, northern New Jersey, late 1990s, early 2000s, when the mob has, you know, fallen on much harder times. Tony is this character who is a part of that decline and feels like he missed out on the world. So this world um, is the world that he missed out on is really explored in The Many Saints of Newark. And in doing that, it kind of revives some of the same debates that we're having, that we've been having since the show debuted, that we're still having. And as David revealed to me, we're even having on set. The thing about this show is that really I think Tony, although he is kind of a, a folk hero in the way that you know, people talk about him culturally, you as an audience member are really never supposed to love him, really. You're supposed to see that he is you know, a tortured man. You can obviously empathize with him as a human, but he's not a hero. He's not someone who's worth you know, putting on a poster and you know, idolizing. And David, I think, made points throughout the film and throughout the, the series to make sure you know that he's not a guy who you should be, you know, really, I think, connecting with. You should see the poison within him. You should see the darkness within him, and you shouldn't be able to forgive him for the things that he's done. And in the ending of this film, they originally filmed an ending in which Tony Soprano, played by Michael um, Gandolfini, becomes Tony in a way that just felt like it was idolizing him. And they filmed it, and Michael nailed it, 
And then David made them cut it. And here's what he told me as to why he cut the original ending of this film. In order, and so when you speak about commerciality, we're not, but if you do speak about commerciality, there was an alternate ending using music from the show, which we do use, but an alternate ending where he was strutting down the street like, I'm going to be the boss gangster of the world. I just didn't like it. And I didn't buy it. And even though I wrote it, it was my idea. Hmm. Um, that was not Larry, Lawrence Connor had nothing to do with that to relieve him of the stupidity of it. Um, I, I just didn't, I just didn't like it. I, I thought, this is not what Tony's not getting into some cool gang. He's going to become a killer and a criminal and an unhappy man. Yeah, I mean, in a way, it has to feel tragic because otherwise, you know, this kind of conversation that you've been having, you know, overtly and covertly with the fans over the years for idolizing him, and you want to make sure that he's a character who can really never, like, he's irredeemable, and that needs to be clear. Right. If you don't make this a tragedy, if you don't make it feel like a tragedy, right? then you've undone that. Well, the other ending was not like that, no. And that, you know, but that's... That's Hollywood. That's the movie business these days. Yeah, and he is David Chase. So if it's if he says it's going to be cut, it's going to be cut, William. Well, that's the thing. So I brought this up to the director of the film, um, Alan Taylor. Previously, he owned things like Story of the Dark World and one of the best episodes of Game of Thrones. And it was a soft, I, I think a sensitive point for, for him. He was actually really surprised David even told me about this because he hasn't told anyone else in the world about it. <laughs> and Alan, I think, is still a bit emotional about the fact that this ending that he wanted for the film was cut and he really opened up to me about what that process was like on set i'm surprised that he uh, he, he he went public with that um yeah that was agony um uh it was a, it was a very strange interesting ending uh it was in, it was in the script i first read um and uh it took me a while to get my head around it and how it worked um and then we shot other things. We added some things that hadn't been in the original script and, and it, it really did work as far as I was concerned. I thought it was like just beautiful. Um, and it was probably one of my favorite um, performance moments from Michael Gandolfini because he literally begins the walk and over the course of it, he's turning into the guy we know. He's turning it in he, and he nailed it. Um, you can see glimpses of it in the, in the trailers. Uh, it's still there. But David wrote that scene and he had the power to, to, to make the decision to take it out. So he, he took it out in um in the fantasy world where there's a director's extended cut um that movie that scene would be in there and i uh i found it beautiful i, I think his his wariness was that he um you know he, he's he's always adamant that we can enjoy these characters we can invest in them but let's not forget that they're sociopaths <laughs> and that they're killers and uh this is not a feel-good gangsterism this is um this is something darker than that so he found a way uh to land on that note and um it's 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 true that i uh he and i you know argued about this a little bit um because i i i i did love that uh that moment that performance uh and i i uh someday it'd be fun to share it with the world <laughs> maybe yeah. it maybe it'll appear one of these days so there we are the uh the many saints of Newark opening up uh, this weekend, uh, William. Um, it, it, does it go without saying, if you were a fan of the Sopranos TV series, you're going to love this film? Yeah, honestly, and I think it's provided me a lot of food for thought. I actually 
saw it like two months ago. Um, so I've been had a lot of time to ruminate on the film, and I think as a fan of the show, I do think back to it more and more. Before I let you go... Went along to see Mr. Bond um, last week, William, and I absolutely adored No Time to Die. Um, nice to see lots of people uh, heading to the cinemas, socially distanced, of course, but um, uh, I thought it was a fantastic um, you know, uh, way to end the, the run of movies um, that stars Daniel Craig. What did you make of it, William? I still haven't had a chance to go see it, but I've actually been emailing back and forth with the director... Kerry Fukunaga, because um, I do want to see it, you know, on the biggest screen possible. Just haven't had the time this week, but I think, you know, from all the reports, I think Kerry has really nailed what a Bond movie should be. It has the set pieces, it has, you know, the action, it has the suspense, and it doesn't have the overwrought, overthought nature of the Sam Mendes films. It's classic Bond in a lot of ways, even if it is, you know, through and through a Daniel Craig James Bond film. So I'm really excited to finally see go, it. Go see it, William. It's it's absolutely fantastic. And I will definitely be going seeing The Many Saints of Newark this weekend. William, always a pleasure to have you uh, on the show. This is Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye, 103.8. Yeah, welcome back uh, into the show. Thank you, uh, Arsalan, for your message. Travelling to Ras al Khaimah and listening to your magical voice. Couldn't be better than this. Oh, much appreciated. Right then, we are going to talk some Bollywood up next. Sneha May Francis joins us. What have you got way too many of in your house? Do I have to answer that? Yes, you do. It's, it's, before we get on to Bollywood, yeah. I'd rather not, but yeah, if you insist. <laughs> I hope no one's listening. No one who knows me, at least. <laughs> um, bags. Shoes, shoes and clothes. Okay, we'll, we'll forgive you for that. That's okay. Bag, shoes and clothes. No worries. <laughs> now then, let's get into some uh, Bollywood chatter. Um, here's something that you watched. Uh, is it Chehre? Wow, wow. I can see. If हमारी फील्ड है क्रिमिनल लॉ यानी फौजदारी आप काम क्या करते हैं मिस्टर मैं एक एड एजेंसी का चीफ हूं ओके स्नेहा सो यू एक्चुअली वॉच दैट यू सीन इट अम आई ट्राई एंड रीड योर फेस एंड आई आई गॉट फीलिंग दिस इज गोना गो डाउन Well, what can I say, Mark? You know, I always go with the best intention. Like, I want to like a film, yeah. right? I'm not course, this person yeah. who's sitting there yeah, being grumpy and you know, apart. yeah. Mm. But but honestly, you look at the cast of this film. It's called che- Chehre. It's um, a Hindi film with Amitabh Bachchan, with Imran Hashmi, like mm. taking center stage. So you you're expecting to be Big blown things. away. Yeah. Now the 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 good side or the bad side of the pandemic is that we have seen the streaming platform explode with ideas and storylines that would not have been attempted you know mm. for a theater audience yeah so i think this is one of those now let me just give you um a little preview of what i had to experience so the story is about it begins with a man who gets stranded uh, on a snowy snow-clad mountain and he meets a stranger an old man and he invites him to uh, a mansion saying you know while while the emergency crew reaches you and you know helps you out of this place spend spend time with me and my friends so there are a bunch of there are, there are three other old men 
and okay. they are in this spooky looking mansion and i'm thinking are they ghosts anyway that's me <laughs> and here they are they are chatting and the conversation is so dramatic it's almost like it's not a normal conversation everyone's just standing there and performing and there's amitabh bachchan there's imran hashmi imran hashmi by the way is the man who gets stranded anyway they're like let's play while we wait for the emergency crew let's play a game it's a court drama where the ma- man who's stranded is the victim and you have a prosecutor you have a defendant you have the judge and there unfolds the game i found that so strange first of all you're stressed you're stranded there's no mobile network you can't reach the people you want and you you end up playing a courtroom game mm well towards the end and it's 2 hours <coughs> long <laughs> So and, you've got to invest some time in and it. And the great bit about this is that you have the remote and you have access to fast forward, but it's heavily in obviously because it's about these men and it's it's a based on a set. Yeah. So there's not much there is a song by the way, so that oh. helps you fast forward. But cut to it ends up into be a thriller, but honestly for me we are in a space where we have all these skills and tools cut it short or make it worth it. I say skip it so two hours not well spent now i ain't gonna even attempt <laughs> to pronounce um this next movie so you can do it for me ankahi kahania kabhi na kabhi har couple jata hai ke shaadi toot jaye aurton ke liye itna aasan nahi hota rishte khatam kar dena rishte tumhari pehchan nahi hai friday ko naya film hai bada film ticket hai mere paas Okay, there's the trailer for that one. Uh, what do we know about it? Another anthology uh, uh, green-lighted by Netflix. Three stories about very unusual love stories. So unusual. Yeah. That I didn't feel it at all. I thought I thought it was so bizarre. And probably this is this is again, Mark. Reason why? Because we've. we've been thrown a certain way and you meet certain kind of people and your you know the experiences are different this come completely on you know like the borderline where you're thinking are they crazy or did they actually mean it so one story is about a um, a salesman from a small town who is in a you know is uh, working in a big town and falls in love with the mannequin right <laughs> and i i couldn't even i, I mean he's such a great performer but yeah. uh, you know i just looked at the story and i'm like i i think i, I don't know I, i don't know how to feel about this another mm. one let me take this just give you another taste of what i had to experience mark um a married couple the wife finds out the husband's uh, being unfaithful so what does she do she finds uh, the husband of the woman he's been with and they go back to where they think this affair started and they right. kind of preempting the and yeah it's almost yeah. like a recreation of the crime scene although there's no crime yeah towards the end i'm like what is the point either you stay with this man who's been unfaithful to you yeah. or yeah. you move i just couldn't understand what where they were taking this i i probably am old school i don't know Mm-hmm. I'm just not invested Maybe in it. Maybe a little in, too off the wall. Yeah, little. it is it is way too off the wall I thought. Right. I mean I'm just, I mean I I really w- quite curious to know what other people think about this but yeah. Yeah, let us know if you've seen it. How do you pronounce it again? <laughs> you have to practice this mark. Ankahi kahaniya. Yeah. Um we'll quickly squeeze in this one. In the Sindamal Chelvanukku Singara Velan ena per sootugiren. 
காகைக்கு ஆகா கூகை கூகைக்கு ஆகா காகை அவ்வளவுதானா Now, apparently you attempted to watch this. <laughs> attempted, does that mean you gave up after five minutes? I gave it a good half an hour. Yeah. Um, this is a Tamil film called Tughlaq Darbar. Now, I love the actor in this film, Vijay Sethupati. He is phenomenal, like any role he takes on. I must add marks some Tamil films it's a dif- it's an acquired taste so to speak so it's right. quite loud the the texture is different from the usual bollywood malayalam film fare that i i often watch hence i was you know i took some time and i said let me give this film a little more than the first 5 minutes it's it, at the center it's a, it's supposed to be about this politician you know who wants to climb the ladder uh, and he just develops this sudden alter ego which kind of plays mm. you know um spoil sport but i just couldn't get it i just i i mean as a film reviewer yeah i never let emotions get the better of me but no. here i think uh pandemic has made me a little more um what can i say spoiled okay so i can switch off and probably attempt it later and uh, if anyone wants to give me a reason to say probably it picks up after the first yeah. half an hour please do please do 4001 right we've got we've not done this for a while we've got a little bit of a hindi lesson for me um coming up which we're going to squeeze in before we get to the news so very quickly what have you chosen for me um very simple two lines <laughs> should we start, should we just okay. let's have a listen to it jab tak baithne ko na kaha jaye sharafat se khade raho ye police station hai tumhare baap ka ghar hai okay mark okay let me make this easier for you yeah start with the second line which is ye police station hai let me hear it one more time jab tak baithne ko na kaha jaye sharafat se khade raho ye police station hai tumhare baap ka ghar nahi ye police station hai tumhara baap ka ghar nahi you're getting there mark i can feel it i just needed to yeah. do give it a little I'm trying more. to get the de- ye police station hai tumhara baap ka ghar nahi mm No, getting there, I, I, getting there. Can I, can I say it once? Very quickly, tell me what yeah. it means. So, <laughs> this is Amitabh Bachchan's famous line from the film Sanjeer. It says, uh, literally, this is not your father's house. This is a police station. So, just don't utter a word and just keep standing. Oh, I was spot on then, wasn't I? <laughs> Absolutely spot on. Sneha, you are a superstar. Have a brilliant weekend. This is Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. AJ Mr Brunch joins us. What what do you have way too many of in your house AJ? Shoes, suits maybe? Uh, uh I am a really really big tie collector. So ties and shoes. Ties, nice. Wow. How many how many ties do you reckon you've got? Oh, well over 70 I'd say. Wow. Cool. Okay. Uh so you're going to be dressing up this weekend, heading out for brunch once again and you've got some um, three recommendations for us starting with guilty pleasures. Yes. So guilty pleasure this is a brand new one it's actually launching tomorrow um and this is one that had a, a concept that's been around for years actually it, it first launched at Mahiki do you remember that Mahiki mm, yeah 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 so this is it's everything that you know you really shouldn't like but you really do love like all of the cheesy 80s 90s and everything in between so um real guilty pleasures music tunes that 
you know you really shouldn't dance to but but love doing it <laughs> but can't uh, resist <laughs> exactly uh it's got a new home and it's in uh in a terrace so it's in and i keep saying tcom but it's in barsha heights i must get with the times now um it's at saluna which is in uh, barsha heights in the trip by Wyndham, um, and they've got a really fun host called adam rees and one of Dubai's longest serving kind of popular DJs, Andy Swift, and they're going to be taking you through with a mixture of all the cheesy tunes and singers and performers every Friday um, at a much later start time of uh, 2 till 5 p.m. So it's a new party brunch in town. Excellent. Um, and uh, how's it going to affect our pocket, this one? Uh, not too guilty. So soft beverage package is 199 dirhams. The house beverage is 275 or bubbles is 325. Cool. Okay, that's guilty pleasures. What else have you unearthed uh, for us to uh, enjoy at the weekend when it comes to brunches? Uh, this is one that I definitely haven't heard of before, and we love everything that big Gordon Ramsay does. Uh, so this is a really new concept that we've not uh, seen or heard anywhere else. This is the pre-brunch brunch. Um, so definitely for one for, for people like myself and Lucy who partake in multiple brunches over the weekend, this one will sometimes let you do two on the same day. So if you think about it, the early bird brunch usually starts around 12.30 yep. or 1 o'clock. This one starts at 10.30 uh, and <laughs> finishes at 12.30. Yeah. Okay, so you just got a couple of hours then. Yeah, a couple of hours. It's, it's really probably one for uh, what, kids, people with young kids and they want to get out and about before. Yeah, more uh, of a family uh, thing. Yeah, exactly. Really nice family brunch. But you still get all of the nice a la carte dishes that you'd expect at Hell's Kitchen. Yeah your beef wellington and your risotto and, and things like that. But you're out the door by uh, by 12.30. Okay, just don't complain. Otherwise, uh, he, might come out, uh, he might come out of the kitchen and sort you out. Um, so, uh, lovely venue, Hell's Kitchen. Uh, what are we looking at uh, in terms of um, our bill there? Uh, so, for kids, and they have activities as well, included in that is 95 dirhams. Uh, it's 195 for your soft beverage package or 2.95 with house beverages, but that's uh, key to say it's only two hours, 10.30 till 12.30. Okay, that's uh, Hell's Kitchen then. Uh, now, we're going to wrap up uh, at Maidan, I believe. Um, lovely venue again. Uh, what's on offer up there? Uh, so Maidan have a big family brunch. So, again, this one only started last week. A lot of these brunches are starting again because it's just now brunch season. The weather's getting into that really yeah. nice period so they can use outdoor yeah. terraces and things like that. Uh, this one is in Farrier's restaurant, which uh, is on the ground floor, but still has a really cool view of the race course and is surrounded by greenery. Uh, this one has a huge seafood uh, barbecue, and this is their signature. So if you like things like prawn, lobster, hamor, but all fish that are, are kind of cooked and grilled whole to, to order, this is really going to be one for you. But they, they have everything from uh, your regular international buffet as well to keep you all satisfied and in a separate kids area with entertainment and games and balloon bending and arts and craft and all that size just no horse racing all right uh but i'm sure the kids are gonna love it you never know maybe the the balloon guy can make them a horse out of a balloon Possibly. yeah definitely i'm sure he can do a lot there's clowns and all sorts it's a really fun family family brunch here all right so um this is up at maydan what are we looking at then in terms of price for this one uh, Price-wise, you're looking at two four nine for soft beverages, uh, three nine nine for house beverages, uh, four nine nine for uh, sparkling, and kids up to five go free, and kids six to twelve are fifty percent off the, uh, the the cheapest package. So it's not not bad.
That's the Maidan Big Family Brunch. What's uh, your plan for the weekend then, uh, AJ? Uh, we are going to one of my favourite brunches of all time, Tasca, which is a Portuguese one at the uh, Mandarin Oriental tomorrow. Cool. Really have, you, have you chosen your tie and your shoes yet? <laughs> oh, I think I might have to pull out the uh, the matching bow tie and mask combination. Oh, wow. Wow. So you've expanded. You've, you've made to measure masks as well, as well as the ties and the shoes. Oh. AJ, you are the stylish guy around town. Um, enjoy your weekend. And thank you so much for those recommendations. So uh, when it comes to uh, brunch uh, that we can enjoy right here in Dubai. This is Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye 103.8. You are come back into the show Lunch with Lloyd through two o'clock. Now, uh, we're going to talk some theatre next. And uh, joining us is the uh, director of 12 Angry Jurors, Porav Shah. Good afternoon, Porav. How are you? I'm good, Mark. How are you? Thank it's, you for having me here. It's a real pleasure, sir. Um, now, I believe you're going to be taking this production up to uh, Abu Dhabi. Yes, we are. We're already here in Abu Dhabi right now. I'm speaking from the Manarat al-Sabiyat which is uh, at Sagiat Island in Abu Dhabi. Okay, um, so tell me a little bit about um, what we can expect from 12 Angry Jurors. You can expect a lot. Um, So essentially the plot is that there's a 16-year-old boy who's uh, just stood trial accused of murdering his father, and his fate now lies in the hands of 12 jurors who are going to deliberate, discuss, and decide whether he is guilty or innocent. And so this play follows, uh, takes place in a jury room as these 12 jurors with 12 very different personalities, personal prejudices, uh, different levels of empathy or apathy, all just get in there and try to figure it out because whatever the result is, it has to be unanimous. Yes, so so the the 12 jurors, you say, all different personalities and, you know, from different walks of life. I mean, when it came to casting, um, what were you looking for in uh, your your people that are appearing in this parav? Well, the kind of diversity that the UAE represents to begin with, because I think it's very important for homegrown grassroots theatre here to represent... uh, the, the mixture of ethnicities and nationalities that, that the UAE has. Yeah. But also one of the interesting things is that 12, the, the play is originally called 12 Angry Men, uh, written way back in 19, the 1950s. Um, so we've changed it to 12 Angry Jurors, and we've opened it up to having female jurors on the cast as well. Okay. Um, so we have a number of different nationalities represented on the cast, uh, different genders, different age groups. I think there's over five or six different nationalities. Um uh, it's, I think we have about four women and eight men, uh, all kinds ranging from the youngest one is as young as 16 and then all the way right up to like mid-40s. So it's a, it's a big variety. Yeah. Uh, would you say, you know, changing it to the jurors and having um, uh, ladies involved has, has, you know, brought more to the story? Definitely. Definitely. It, um, because we're performing a play that was written like 70 years ago, but for yeah. an audience today, where the roles that women play in societies are drastically different. And so you can show um, the, the, the character stereotypes that were played by men and how women own those roles today and how they have those 
their say in such discussions in society today. And it's, it's, it's definitely impacted the play for the better, I would say. And what about the young boy? Um, is there an actor who's playing him or is he just kind of a, a fictitious kind of, you know, we know that he's supposedly committed this murder, but do you actually have an actor on stage portraying him? No, so we do not. The the young boy who stands accused of having killed his father is just is just a plot element. You do not see the boy. Uh, there is no actor who plays this boy. You just know of the boy through the storytelling and the narrative, which I think is a fantastic thing. Because uh, when you talk about a 16-year-old kid who's been accused of having stabbed his father, um, it'd be interesting to see what audiences are imagining. Yeah. What, what ethnicity? Where is the boy from? It's yeah. Rather than stereotype and fit it into one cast, let's see what the different audience members imagine the kid as. How have rehearsals gone? I mean, I would imagine this has taken quite a lot of time to, to put together. So, you know, are you very pleased with the outcome, Porav? Very, very pleased. Uh, but, I mean, the final judge has to be the audience, although yeah. I'm sure they're going for a, in for a treat. Um, it's been, so yes, it has been a long time. We've been rehearsing for over three months. Um, and it's been interesting because, uh, we're, we're in a new place. It's the first time we're in Abu Dhabi. We don't know what to expect. It's a new theater. We've been rehearsing in different places just to keep changing things up and make sure we don't get locked into one environment, uh, way too much. The actors are all, uh, some of them are brand new, like first timers. Some of them are theater community veterans. Um, so I think over the course of the last three months, they've built up a beautiful camaraderie. You should see the way they're all, they're all sitting around me right now, just listening. Cause I'm like, guys, we need to be silent. We're live on. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all listening and they're excited and they've been running around and they've been exploring the, the, the space. And I think they're going to, they're ready to put on a great show for, for the audience. Excellent. So um, once again, this is going to be happening where and when and how many performances. So I'm going to give you uh, give you the whole bit. This is 12 Angry Jurors, brought to you by the Abu Dhabi Festival, uh, organized by the Abu Dhabi Music and Arts Foundation, in partnership with the Junction and 872 Productions, happening at the Manarat Al Sadiat in Abu Dhabi over this weekend, which is the 8th and 9th of October. There is a 7.30 p.m. show on the 8th, and there are two shows, 2.30 p.m. and 7.30 p.m. on the 9th, which is Saturday. Well, um, I wish all of your 12 angry jurors the very, very best for what I'm sure will be a fantastic production, Parov. And uh, thank you for being with us to uh, tell us all about it.